podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? That's when I start promising the world to a brand new girl don't even know yet. Next thing, she's wearing my Rolex. Too much champs. I know where my phone is. Here's my number. She already knows it. This chapter's a lot better close it. This look in her eye was so evil. Tom's a party guy and she knows it. Usually drink, usually dance, usually hello. So on a week where Barble evades FPL Stag's free hit squad to break many managers' Liverpool clean sheet dreams. We're about to discuss the ramifications of the next chip use in double game week 32. I'm joined by uh, by the Muttley to my Dick Dastardly Nick after a couple of weeks off uh, for the man himself. How you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even know where to start with that. <laughs> let's, let's get cracking on, shall we? Swiftly on with the pod. Um, yeah, I'm not bad, thank you. It's been a while, actually. Yeah, it's good to be back. Good to be um, here podding again, ready for game week 32 and the madness that comes with my free hits and the double game weeks, which is, yeah, very exciting. Um, just to say quickly, of course, we are Who Got The Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. You can use Spotify, SoundCloud, whatever you'd like to listen and subscribe. Okay, so um, what are we going to be talking about this week? Uh, this week is, of course, yeah, again, like I did with a stat the other week, all about the free hit. Uh, except this time it's a free hit and double game week 32. The stakes are sharpened. And uh, with you as a free hitter, Nick, I will be seeing what you're doing and I guess giving some thoughts about uh, free hitting without kind of repeating ourselves too much from when Stag was on, but uh, hopefully kind of looking at things which are more topical for this week. Second game week of asylum season, but the first one where the promises really, really big scores. Uh, we'll then be looking at Mo Salah as our uh, kind of digression point this week and discussing the key question. Is that it for the season with him? Yeah, potentially. I mean, you've been looking at talisman, haven't you? And Salah is still the talisman, but is it going to be death of a salisman here? Um, <laughs> is the Egyptian king going to be dethroned? Uh, be interesting to see what you think. But anyway, so we start with the uh, game week reviews. Of course, it's um, it was a uh, blank game week, wasn't it? And you used your free hit, Tom. So, so what happened? Um, actually, it went it went well. It's what I call a qualified success. Um, it, all right, it didn't go that well. I got forty two, but. <laughs> I did captain the only guy who did anything, which was uh, which was Sadio Mane. Um, it was a fairly low scoring week overall. I think the average was 26. And sadly, given where I am, it wasn't on the green arrow. Um, but given where I am, that actually does count as something pretty good. And in terms of like the players that I brought in compared to the players I didn't um, uh, on the free hit compared to the players I had in my actual team, I definitely made enough points to, to make it worthwhile. But the sad part was that those points were appearance points rather than anything else. Like literally no one else did anything apart from my captain side Mane. And I saw that stuff was going on in Twitter that didn't show up and to training and things like that. And I kind of made a calculated gamble to stick with him. And yeah, I think I just about got away with it. But I'm calling it a qualified success. It's not a big success, but it's a qualified one. And I think I did better than I would have done if I had left it with six players, for example. Um, so yeah, um, all ready to go for this week as well. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, how about you? Yeah, so um, to be honest, yeah, I got 44 points. I was all ready to, to moan about uh, being a yeah. crap, crap week. But you, you seem so positive about your 42 that maybe I should dial it down a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I got 44 points. I think, I don't know, it just felt like with all the preparation, all the planning for this game week to just get a return of 44 felt a bit be a bit rubbish to be honest but you know um I got you know I had Mane and I had Josh King was the other person that got me points he got um 13 points pretty decent so uh two two guys getting all my points for me um you know 
a, t- a ton of love for those guys, but the rest of them, you know, they're rubbish. So it was all right, I guess, for the Green Arrow, relatively happy with that. But, you know, I would prefer a, a haul, I guess. Yeah, definitely. It was the saddest thing that I'd ever seen of a few of my punts just completely falling off a cliff. You know, Arnie, who'd have said that Chikorito was going to be the man to save us all? Only Captain Hindsight would have got that. And if I had said pre-game week, I'm thinking about Chikorito, everyone would have gone, you're mad. But it's just one of those things that, you know, it was all right compared to the average. Okay, It was a qualified success. And just just let me have this one, guys. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Let's uh, let's move on then. And it's obviously free hit week Um, for some people. It's not free hit week for me, as uh, regulars will know. Uh, But Nick, you are on free hit. And I guess it's worth talking about your approach to that and kind of just a few, I guess, topical points as we kind of move through it. We look at maybe uh, the defense of, of Man City particularly and maybe Chelsea a little bit. A few other bits and pieces too. So I guess to start with, Nick, how have you set up and what are you thinking of doing at the moment? So I've, I've kind of got two setups on the go at the moment. I've got my um, Harry Kane team, let's say, and then I've got my non-Harry Kane team. And and it does impact it. I think at the moment I am leaning towards the Kane team. So perhaps we'll, we'll talk about that really rather than um, the other team. But yeah. With um, with Kane, the problem with Kane, of course, is that he is very expensive. He's twelve point five million or so, um, and it does mean that you have to make certain sacrifices um, in the rest of your team to fit him in, and also um, basically have no bench. But I think that's fine for a free hit team when all your players are playing double game weeks. You know, you don't care about your bench; it's just one week. But um, shall we start anyway at the back? And I've actually gone for De Gea in goal, Tom, at the moment as my goalkeeper of choice. It, um, you know, I think, you know, obviously United, they weren't really worth touching at the beginning of the season. Their clean sheet record was pretty damn atrocious. I, I did look at likes of Lindelof and um, Smalling because it seems like they're the sort of nailed on centre-backs. But there still is that little bit of risk of rotation there, I guess. And I was quite happy with, um, with De Gea, I think, just, you know, covering United with De Gea. And those fixtures, Watford and Wolves, they're, they're tougher than they look. But I think it's still worth covering that Manchester United back line for the double game week. And, and uh, De Gea's done all right in recent weeks. He picked up some impressive hauls against Leicester and Spurs, as well as a clean sheet against Liverpool. And um, I think he'd, he'd fit in quite nicely into the team. Yeah, certainly. Like I, I guess the rest of your defence is pretty much based on you having to hear at the moment like you know, I see a lot of people at the moment are on obviously got to say I've, I've got the cold rationality or the, the objectivity of not being on free hit so I can kind of observe but um, a lot of people seem to be running with one two Chelsea defenders and City defence I don't I haven't really seen a lot of that most people have been going for the kind of the triple City attack so like how does that all kind of fit together like I quite like Chris Smalling actually as a pick you can do that or Lindelof for new father uh, another one but I mean the rest of your defence then? How does that all fit together? I have gone for Manchester City in defence. So I'm, I'm not too keen on this triple attack. I think obviously there's there's two players, we'll get onto them in a minute, which are going to be essential for the Manchester City. But I'm I'm not, you know, there's a lot of debate around Bilvers and Dilvers and, and bringing those guys in. And, you know, they don't excite me, to be honest, in terms of their price point and, and what they offer. I'm, I'm not excited about. Them, even with the fixtures, Fulham and Cardiff, obviously very tasty fixtures. I'm actually a, a big fan of Laporte, as you know, Tom. And uh, at 5.9, I think he um, slots um, very nicely into my team. Of course, in the uh, the double game week where we all triple captain Sane, or lots of us at least captained or triple captained him and brought him in, that was a you know an unqualified disaster. <laughs> um, 
as, as we all know. And Laporte was one of my heroes for that game week. It was a bit of a really, it was a really bad game week to be honest. For considering we all tripled up with Manchester City, but um, Laporte got twenty points. You know, which was I, I think it was. Um, I think that was the top scoring out of virtually um, all the Manchester City players because he, he beat Aguero by one point. And, and that, just, that just goes to show that you shouldn't be writing off the defence, that they are, you know, Fulham and Cardiff are pretty much, as, as you, I, know, I don't want to say it, but they're almost guaranteed clean sheets for the Manchester City back line. And Laporte has showed some attacking prowess. As you know, he got an assist in that game week and, uh, and you know, he could get some more attacking returns. Could easily be a, a huge haul for him again. And, and my problem with some of the rest, of it, we know that Pep likes to rotate their their fixture list in April. is insane. I think they're playing Spurs twice in the Champions League. They're also um, playing Manchester United at Old Trafford. He's going to rotate the attackers, but if one player doesn't get rotated, it's probably Laporte. He's not been um, picked for France, and he's also um, he's been injured, but he is back to full fitness. So I'd, I'd imagine that he will play both games. Yeah, I, th- I think it very much that comes down to like let's get out of the way. Like the, the two fixtures are absolutely incredible. They're like a dream couple of fixtures and double game. There's no getting around that. And I can see why like a lot of people are looking at the triple up, as you said, with the Dilvers and Bilvers and Raheem Serling's just scored. And you know, it's worth mentioning, I think that Kern and Raz are the two that you just don't, you know, those two are locked in. It's all about one guy, like that, that extra kind of third city player. Dilber very creative. Bilver is on minus 3.45 in terms of XGI with zero scored over the last six, which is absolutely ridiculous. But, um, you know, Bilver started for Portugal. Um, he's started both games, I think, he hasn't he? So I guess Dilver's the guy in the pole position, at least to start, for, start against Fulham. Um, but I do think the Man City defence is definitely something to really think about. Like, last six game weeks, they conceded the fewer shots in the box, the fewer shots in total, and uh, the least big chances, uh, level with Liverpool and four. And uh, interestingly, Nick, they've also conceded, uh, in linking what you said about it being guaranteed, perhaps, clean sheet, they've also conceded the, the least chances from headed attempts, with just three, and uh, seven from set pieces. But why is this important? Cardiff for fourth uh, for attempts from set pieces of 25. And in Mitrovic, Fulham boasts the number one strike of headed attempts in the whole of the Premier League. He's had 44 headed attempts this season versus 29 for the nearest competitor is Mounier. Um, fun facts on Mitro and content you'll only get on WGTA's nerd department is that that's 13 more than the highest score on this metric than the whole of last season, which was Tekkers with 30. And he's actually second for the most headed attempts ever Amongst all players since Optus stats began, he overtook Andy Carroll's 41 attempts in 2011-12 for Liverpool. And, and Ben Teke, 16-17, holds the record with 49. But Mitro is on course to smash that record. He's averaging 1.4 head attempts per game. He gets 55 at the current rate. <laughs> That's a fun fact for you there. Um, wow. But yeah, but yeah I, I think City defence definitely shouldn't be ignored. I um, mean, obviously, the last few game weeks they have played ball, ball on the floor sides like Bournemouth, West Ham, and Arsenal. But I think giving them some credit as well as saying, oh, they were playing ball playing teams is, is worth kind of saying. And as you said, Mr. Laporte over Edison is probably the guy I go for. I think he's uh, fair for BPS over the last six amongst defenders, Laporte uh, behind Liverpool players. So yeah, I think that's, that's a very strong pick, isn't it? Definitely, and I think with Manchester City, whilst I want, I wanted a Manchester City outfield player over a Manchester United outfield player in defence, just because, you know, Manchester City are one of those teams that could easily get six or so, maybe even seven goals. You know, that'd be amazing, obviously, against these these types of teams. And when, when they do haul like this, you usually pick up the odds assist or goal for one of the defenders as well as part of that package. And it just feels like you know there's potential for an attacking return for Laporte as well. I'd like to hope, as well as the clean sheet. 
Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any Chelsea defenders? Yeah, I do. So at the moment, I have um, I have David Luiz um, in my team. Um, he's the one that was in there already, and I've just kind of kept him in there. To be honest, like kind of fits quite nicely um, in terms of the price point, five point nine. He, he he's the cheapest way in, apart from Rudiger. And between sort of Luis and Rudiger, their stats are pretty similar. Like in terms of goal attempts, 27, 25. But I think with Luis, he's got that um, free kick threat, uh, which is pretty decent, I think, obviously. And he, he does have, I think, more potential for attacking with the turns compared to Rudiger. I think my concern at the moment is um, Christensen, Andreas Christensen, because we have seen a little bit of rotation with the centre backs um, because of the fixture congestion. Christensen's mostly played Europa League, but he was also given um, games against. Huddersfield and, and Fulham, you know, a few game weeks ago, essentially, um, when Rudiger and Luis were rotated. And with Cardiff and Brighton, you know, I could see, I think there is a little bit of risk there that either Rudiger or Luis will miss out. But it's likely, I reckon, Christensen could play one of them. And I think because of that, perhaps Aspilicueta is the best choice. Um, he's actually been ever-present all season. Um, Zappa Costa's only played two minutes all season. Uh, Victor Moses was shunted off on loan, uh, very sadly, for his namesake. Um, and uh, I think, um, yeah, for me, I think that's the, prob- that's the problem with the Chelsea centre-backs. You know, it's, it's that, there is that danger of rotation. But the fixtures are great for Chelsea, so you've got to cover their defence. Cardiff and Brighton are, you know, brilliant fixtures. And I think Chelsea a bit different to Manchester City is in the attack. There's not really that many options. No one really, apart from Hazard, perhaps, no one excites me at all. So if you're going to go for the Chelsea team, you've got to cover the defence. Okay. I mean, over the last six game weeks, they're a really weird defence, Chelsea. They're third from Boston for attempts conceded, fourth from Boston for shots in the box conceded. But that's counterbalanced by the fact they've conceded the fourth most big chances over the same period. It's a defence which is solid, but I guess a little bit like, you know, accident prone. Um, a lot of people have been looking at Kepper as well. Like, have you considered him over De Gea? Um, yeah, potentially. I might still go for Kepper. Of course, he would be a nailed-on option as well, um, and slightly cheaper way as well of covering that Chelsea defence. Even though he had his falling out, he seems to be back in the in the team. I could I could save a little bit of money actually if I did go for Kepper and and Lindelof because I think I can't remember Lindelof's price, but I think yeah, he's a million cheaper, isn't he, than the Chelsea defender? So you know that is a that is a possibility, especially if I'm I'm looking to save a few pennies if I'm if I'm bringing in um, Harry Kane into my team. No, I get you. I get you. I, I guess the, I guess you mentioned quickly the man Eden Hazard. Um, he's uh, you, know, you know we recently did the talisman articles, which we do every now and again. It's just kind of understanding the non-appearance points, so the positive points that players generate. So not appearance in everything else, so goals, assists, bonus, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, Hazard is third on the list behind Sterling and Salah, um, and he's also um, third on the list in terms of proportional talisman. So in terms of scoring the most attacking points of of anybody on the Chelsea team, he's got. Um, um, over a quarter of uh, of, of Chelsea's uh, non-appearance points in the Premier League. Uh, that's behind uh, Jimenez, who's the uh, talisman champion. Twenty-eight percent of all his points, attacking points, scored by him effectively, and Mitrovic twenty-seven percent. Um, but obviously, bear in mind that. Mitrovic has only scored what like fifty five points or something, and Fulham <laughs> scored very much. Um, but yeah, Hazard always comes out, doesn't he, as being favoured by many metrics, which combine just general goal involvement. And I guess with him, the key question is like, can you afford to really go without him? I, to be honest, I think 
you can't afford to go without him. He's he is he is what he is at the end of the day. You know, me and him, as most of our listeners famously know, don't get on. But I think I'd be very foolish to kind of go without him in this double game week where Chelsea play Cardiff and Brighton. I mean, Hazard's stats are brilliant. He's second for chances, created this campaign with 75, and he's uh, second also for big chances um, with 13. Um, and, you know, like, he is the talisman, you said, he is the talisman in that Chelsea team. And um, whenever he does get those attacking returns, he's he pretty much is nailed on for free bonus because of his unselfishness. And we talked about the selfishness matrix early on the season, the fact that he is such a creator and he, he you know, he's, he's always like looking for opportunities for his forwards to score as well as take shots himself. And, he, and he's on penalties. I think he's he is the key man in that Chelsea team. You look at the other attacking options there are, on, you know, Pedro and William. There's, there's a lot of doubts as to who starts, who's going to be rotated. I don't think they're particularly good options, to be honest, for the double game. And then I suppose you've got Higuain in, in in attack, he's a little bit expensive as well, and I don't think he's he's worth the outlay. Or has proved that he's worth the outlay at this moment in time. Seems to have the weight of the world on him at the moment, but we'll have to we'll have to see with him. He still could be a good option. Yeah, I mean, starting fairly well. I think he's second for attempts overall amongst strikers last six, second in the box. Um, so I guess maybe with Chelsea, it's an interesting one because you could not go with the two defenders, which seems to be Dujor at the moment. And Pedro, I think, is worth is the second highest non-appearing point scorer. I think he got he's got eleven percent of Chelsea's uh, attacking points, which is pretty crazy. Like the disparity between him and Hazard. Uh, so I guess you could go with Higuain if you wanted to uh, do something a little bit different. It's just kind of the risk and the risk of Giroud as well, perhaps potentially coming into that team. He scored a hat trick, didn't he, uh, not very long ago? So that could be one that that could really happen. What's the rest of your midfield looking like? Oh, I do have um, quite an interesting enabler in the team, actually. As part of my Kane team, I did have to make a few sacrifices. Um, one of them was Jimenez in attack. Um, unfortunately, he has had to go. And uh, in midfield, I also originally had Diego Yotta in my team, but I can't afford him now. So with, with sort of Yotta and Jimenez leaving, I I kind of thought, oh, actually, I do want, I still want some Wolves in my team. I was, you know, they've been pretty good this season. They've been pretty attacking. They got quite a nice fixture against Burnley as one of their games. And Burnley, I think, have conceded most shots for all teams this season. They're pretty fragile. You know, they've got me and Tarko as the the back line, but they've still been pretty fragile in many games this season. And Wolves have been very impressed. So I thought about, oh, who could I cover? And I actually looked at um, Mutino, Tom. He's still my wild card pick, perhaps, because I think my team looks pretty mainstream um, in terms of all the picks. But I think Mutino is my wild card pick. And he's actually um, he's actually done pretty well. He's only 5.3 billion. He fitted very nicely into that fourth slot because I didn't have too much money to spend. And 5.3 was basically my budget. And um, I think Mutino, I quite like him this season. He's... Um, He's had seven assists, you know, he's, he's building them up. He seems to be really starting to be a creative force in that Wolves team. And he's also actually um, joint fourth for chances created out of all midfielders. Uh, this campaign with 59, with a chance every um, every 39 minutes. So if Yotta or Jimenez do score, there's definitely a chance that Moutinho could be the man who assists them. Yeah, it's a very interesting one there. I mean, I read today actually that Nuno only has, I think it's 18 first team players. So you'd be thinking perhaps that Moutinho plays a spot in that team, which is difficult to replicate. I mean, with Jimmy, I can see why you've gotten rid of him. But equally, like because of the talisman data and because of the fact that his goal involvement for Wolves is so high, I just wonder whether there would 
be like a backup. Like I've seen a few people saying, oh, he's the one that people are really worried about in terms of non-free hitter teams. And he's certainly one that I'm quite happy to have at the moment. But as you said, Burnley are no great shakes. So I don't know what will happen against the you know, United game. But I, I just think that it's, uh, do you think it's a big risk to go about him? I think it is a bit of a risk. He's 33.1% owned. Um, I, I've already been punished, actually, by him in game 28 when I sold him uh, before the Chelsea game. He is the kind of player that could potentially punish me. So that's why I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I should see if I can cover him through Matino. Maybe it's a bit of a gamble. But I think if I want to go Kane and Aguero, there's just no space for him in the team because... Um, the third striker in the team would actually be Colin Quainer. <laughs> he'd, be sitting, he'd be sitting on the bench. Um, I've got no idea where he is. He's on loan somewhere, Coventry City or something like that. But um, Yotta, I think Yotta is also a really good pick. He's um, he's at a much smaller ownership of 4.5%. But I think after a slow start, he's, he's really stepped up a gear in terms of his um, his performances. Yeah, OK. Um, so you've got... In your midfield, I guess you've got Sterling, you've, you've got Hazard, you've got uh, Moutinho. Uh, who are the other two? How are, you, how are you approaching that? So I've got Sterling, of course, Hazard, uh, Pogba. Oh, Pogba, yeah, yeah, I guess that's it. It feels like a given Pogba, doesn't yeah. it? I haven't even prepared any notes on Pogba, to be honest. I'm just like, well, Pogba's in the team. He's not going anywhere. He's been in there for a long time. Even if I was to sell him, like, I think I'd, I'd lose about a million worth of value. So it's just it just doesn't make sense to to sell this guy and obviously with Watford and Wolves he, he's he's nailed on and he's he's part of that he's a key man in that team and uh, Sterling of course as well I think once again he's also a given he's someone um, you know is performing brilliantly he got a hat-trick against uh, Czech Republic and his stats are you know excellent second for penalty box touches this campaign 236 he's also and people people forget about this he's also actually a bit of a um creative force in the team so 55 chances and he's got nine assists um, which is joint third for midfielders so you know it's not just goals for sterling he's getting plenty of assists and uh choice between him and um aguero for the captaincy at the moment i haven't quite decided on that one other player i think worth quick giving a quick shout out to having scored a brace tonight is uh, ross barkley and uh 5.1 <laughs> Maybe he could be my Mutino replacement. I could get Barkley in. But actually, um, at the moment, uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi is filling out the third slot in my team. Probably going to be... Uh, well, he's going to be sitting on the bench with 4.2 million. Why not just throw him in there? And, and if, if if he's an emergency bench replacement, because like I said, I have, I have zero budget for that bench, then, then put him as first up and see what happens. So you're not worried about only having two Chelsea compared to most three of us having three? Obviously, the Cardiff and Brighton, it'd be nice to have three, but I, I don't know. I don't want Higger in. I could double up at the back, but like you said, they have been occasionally fragile. You know, it's not doesn't sound too exciting to like have both Rudiger and David Louise or Rudiger and Kepper in my team. It's not exactly. It's very much a nick pick, but you know, I think I'm, I'd rather put Callum Hudson the doy on the bench and have a bit more fun, maybe. And it's a budget thing as well with the Kane team. I can barely afford. Um, you know, to have De Gea, uh, Laporte, Rudiger and Luis. I can't afford it. It's too much money. So I have had to make some sacrifices. So what's uh, compelling the Kane pick? I think with a Agraria team, Sterling, Hazard, that's, it's, it's perhaps a case of overloading with the premium assets by going for a fourth. But, you know, if, if I can make it happen, then why not just get him in? I think he, he hasn't. He hasn't perhaps hit the form of last season, but he's still got 17 goals to his name. 
Um, his stats are actually pretty similar to Kun's as well. So Aguero has looked brilliant, obviously, this season. He's perhaps been the leading forward. You know, people say in the start of the season, all sparks are going to burn out in the end with, with Aguero, but he hasn't. He hasn't burnt out at all he's been he's been brilliant 178 penalty boxes second for goal attempt second for shots inside the box second for big chances taken and first for minutes for chance but with Kane Kane's actually not too far behind him in his, his um, stats he's only had two less goal attempts than Aguero and um, he's actually um, Kane's actually top for shots on target for the season and at 12.5 billion he is very expensive and I have had to make sacrifices as you could probably tell um, but if I could do a one week punt with you know have those four guys and have a scrap heap on the bench of Connollys and Quainers then, then why not take that gamble I've got four really big players Spurs fixtures obviously aren't brilliant they've got Liverpool but they've also got Crystal Palace and it's double game week so why not that's my view anyway yeah, that makes sense. And in uh, terms of closeness to him and Aguero, it's uh, I think uh, Kane's eleven point and non-appearance points there is behind the behind Aguero in the talisman rating. It's not too bad. You could definitely see something with Kane. I mean, do you have any interest in Spurs and else? I've got Son, for example, as a legacy pick. I'm hoping he does better this week than Sane did in the past as my differential by mistake. <laughs> but I'm hoping that sort of Son's explosiveness is gonna is gonna shine through at least in one of those two games. Um, like, do you have any interest in Spurs elsewhere? I'm surprised there's no uh, Vertonghen in your team, for example. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I did think about Vertonghen, but <laughs> you're always that's thinking that's about Vertonghen. I've always, I've always got Vertonghen <laughs> on my mind, but I don't know. I, I, I don't think he's perhaps the best pick for this game week. The Liverpool fixture does put you off Spurs quite a lot, even though they've got quite a nice home fixture against Crystal Palace as well. And I guess Son is a, a decent pick. I think Son's form seems to have dropped um, quite a bit. And then in, against Southampton, he didn't even start, which was a bit frustrating for me because I still had him in my team and I was holding yeah. on to him. So that's kind of like four blanks in a row for Son as well. And he's, uh, I think he has gone out for international duty again. He just looks a bit shot had a really long campaign he's had two international tournaments and I don't I don't know I feel like his, his minutes might be managed a little bit especially with Spurs still being in the um, the Champions League so I think that's my, the risk with him I guess we spoke about with uh, with Stag on the uh, on the beach pods they do at least have something to to play for to try to get yeah. my top four so it might be worth kind of keeping an eye on them I think in game week 34 uh, Spurs have um, a Huddersfield at home so I think that might be one that people kind of bring in Kane, for example, for that one week before moving him on, or maybe just go with Kane on what on double game week thirty five. Who knows? But yeah, it, it feels like with with the Kane option in your team, it's like I mean, a lot of people can make the same point, but like it's like on Altovich almost last week because I'm not like me as a non free hitter. There's no way I'm buying Harry Kane because it's one a lot of upheaval. Um, so you've got a squad, a squad structure that I could never get to as a non free hitter, and. Uh, Two, there's no longevity in that, so I'm wildcarding in 33 a little bit different, but most people maybe won't be wildcarding directly, so they can have no interest in Kane whatsoever. So, yeah, it definitely makes sense as a bit of a sword pick. If I'm going to be free-hitting, I might as well be aggressive as possible, and I feel like the Kane team is it's more exciting than kind of, you know, this, this team with Jimenez and... Yotto and Rashford in it. I don't know. It's tough though. Yeah, you have to, I'm definitely hoping that Rashford's back, dude. No Lukaku love, no Martial love, nothing like that really going on apart from just having the goalkeeper. 
And Pogba, of course. Oh, and Pogba. Oh, I keep forgetting. We literally oh, just forget just... about him, don't we? Like, it's just like a, oh, such a hygiene factor now, which is it's kind of simultaneously very boring and uh, also a bit just a, a, a real politique of the situation where like, you do end up just having players that you just completely just don't even think about them as being in your team sort of thing. You're like, oh, who is that guy? Oh, yes, Pogba. Yeah, he's always in my yeah. team. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, maybe I, I have to have a think about if I go for another... I don't really want to double up on the United defence. And without Rashford, and he is slightly injured at the moment, there's no one really else that I'd want going forward. Lukaku's too expensive. And, you know, he's, he's far too mercurial, his price to, to bring it, isn't he? <laughs> not, not got a ton of love for him right now. But. Mm-hmm. Certainly. I guess there are a couple of other teams that people are going to be thinking about. Uh, the first one is probably Brighton. Um, I have got that. I've got a fairly good double game week in Southampton Chelsea. I guess it's all in the Southampton game. Uh, but interestingly, I guess they've got the triple double coming up. And uh, you've got uh, the uh, interesting, interesting uh, point that uh, Glenn Murray at the moment is actually their talisman, uh, 20% of non-appearance points scored. Uh, But Duffy is the second pick. And uh, I saw a nice stat today um, which showed that he was uh, performing equally uh, to Virgil van Dijk in terms of aerial duels won. Uh, So, yeah, quite a man, obviously a cause celebre amongst our Irish friends. <laughs> no, no, uh, no, Duffy triple cap. Well, no Duffy captain in your team, Nick. No, no Matt Ryan. No, no old man Murray wheeled out to make an appearance. No, I haven't got these guys. I think at the moment I'm actually um, leaning towards preferring the Crystal Palace fixtures. I think um, is it I that Huddersfield game? Yeah, quite like that game. I mentioned Schlupp, but I, in my actual team with Kane, I can't afford Schlupp, so I've still got Wambasaka in there just lurking around. So. Uh, He's probably going to be another person in the team. He's he's also injured, so I have to have a little bit of think about what I do there. But at the moment, I think Crystal Palace, the Wambasaka, perhaps fills that extra slot. I think Schlupp's quite interesting as an attacking force as well, perhaps as defender as well. I've also got Doherty in there as well. Still, why have you got him though? Like he's just it's, he's. I don't think he's going to play Doherty. two. I know, but he's not. Gonna, he's not going to play two. It's your it's your free hits. So it doesn't matter. Just sell him. Yeah, Where I might do, but at the moment, it's just because of the budget. Oh yeah, fair enough. But yeah, you know, just sell him and get someone else in, and suddenly you've got a load of money to play with. If you get like you no know, Tompkins or Montoya at Brighton, my my hero, my Barcelona legend Montoya, uh, he could uh, do a job for you maybe. Um, I guess sort of Palace wise, you've got Milivojevic, haven't you? A lot of people looking at him. Uh, Mili, uh, Mili, let's call it Mili, let's call him Mili. You've got a lot of people looking at him and hoping for a uh, hoping for a penalty. Uh, look through his data; it is not good over the last six. There is nothing there apart from maybe him scoring a penalty or smashing in a long shot if you're very lucky. Uh, Townsend's the same, like just if you're lucky, he's going to score a long shot. Uh, the, the best one's probably about Shuai. A lot of people looking at him and Zaha, um, who's a little bit injured at the moment, but I still want to be um, very positive about Zaha. He's had the most pen box touches of any forward in the last six. He scored five and five, and he's looking pretty clinical. He's got a 33.3% goal conversion rate at the moment, which is higher than Sergio Aguero. Um, so that could be uh, another option if people are looking for that third kind of striker. I guess the final bit of this then is captaincy. So you mentioned earlier on that uh, Raz versus Kun is basically the conundrum that we're all going to be looking at. And I'm guessing we're all going to go Kun, but let's uh, let, let's just dive into the data a little bit. I did a little bit of a comparison of them there. Can be interesting to see what you think. Uh, Kun's got seven goals and six. Raz, five and six. They've got an equal number of pen box touches, an equal conversion rate pretty much. So 30.4% to 29.4%. Like mental so close. Uh, Kun's had slightly more attempts in the box, a few more big chances, but Raz is lower range. And uh, David Monday, 
commented on this captain's cast. It's one of those no- annoying moments where you guys never believe me, but my killer stat is very basically the same one as him, which um, which is that Kuna started each of the last eight since uh, Jesus' last start. Uh, since coming back from injury in game week 18, he started 11 and 12. He was only rested in inverted commas against Wolves in game 22, uh, which is when he was ill and missed the cup game versus Rotherham. You have to assume Kuna starts versus Fulham, and I think, I don't know, it's a sharp end pileup, so we're not too sure yet. But if you're assuming Kuna's fit and he'll start, 60 minutes times two for Kuma with that data and those teams he's playing against. Surely it's the cat, he's the captain choice, right? Um, or do you think there's a big case for Raheem, who's obviously got a goal, a goal and assist tonight and is just absolutely on fire? Yeah, I mean, Sterling is on fire, isn't he? He got a hat trick, of course, against Czech Republic. He's he's been brilliant, but he's also played a lot of minutes over the international break, which perhaps um, Pep might be a little bit irritated about. Um, so he might come back a little bit tired, perhaps, and I think maybe he will see a little bit of rotation. But I think that is the risk with the City players. I think you've got to go with Sterling and Aguero, and you've got to captain one of them. I can't be like, oh, I think this player is going to be dropped, or this player is going to play only sixty minutes. I haven't, a, you know, a clue. We can't, we can't even look at the data because it, it just depends on what mood Pep's in on the day, really, doesn't it? So at the end of the day, there might be a bit of rotation. We saw it with Sane before, but I think Sterling and Aguero are must-owns and, and probably must-captains. And it's just the numbers are interesting, what you said there, Tom. Of course, I mentioned before on pods that Sterling as a midfielder gets more points than um, Aguero and he gets a, he might get a clean sheet point and you know, an extra point a goal. So maybe that leans me a little bit towards Sterling over Aguero as the captain, but it is a flip of a coin at the moment, it feels like. If it wasn't for the fact that Kuhn is not playing international football, I would have the captain. Oh, it's my triple captain this week as well, of course. I would have my triple captain on, on Sterling. Um, it's just that because he hasn't, I think he's pretty likely to play some role in the two games. I'm thinking of players in terms of how much of the 180 minutes they're going to play. I think Kim will get what, 150, 140, something like that. And I can imagine Raz playing one and not playing the other. Um, just because, I mean, people are looking at the cup game on Saturday after next as being the, the game when... Pep rests and rotates, you know, fields the B team, Mares, Sane and Jesus come out of hiding. I mean, a lot of that really is us as FPL managers. Yeah, Pep's not going to be as interested in the cup. That's because we're not interested in the cup because we're FPL managers. Like we want the City team to be full strength during the Premier League. And uh, I suspect that maybe the value that Pep is going to have in, in that cup is going to be there because they're still fighting on all fronts, aren't they, really? God, just having that B team of Morris, Sardi and Jesus is, is absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? It, it? it feels guaranteed, doesn't it, that a player like Mares is going to be this week's Carlin Grant. Um, all right, so, so it sounds like you may still think about Raheem and Kuhn. You've got a Kane team you're happy with. Any other things you're waiting for for the press conferences for making firm decisions? I think it'd be very interesting to hear what's going on with Juan Bissaka, what's going on with Marcus Rashford. Um, just, you know, just about what Pep has to say, not that he's going to say anything that's particularly useful, I'm sure. Um, I think that's the kind of data that I'm, I'm waiting on, obviously, before making my final decisions o- on my team. But yeah, at the moment, that's how I'm set up anyway. I think I'm leaning towards the Kane team. Four key strikers, essentially. Um, you know, And then a fifth player in Pogba. You can't get a much better fifth um, attacking player. And that's going to be like the key key part of my team. We're still kind of, you know, a few premium defenders in there, slotted, slotted in for good measure in Laporte and Luis and, and De Gea. You know, I might end up going with Barkley, to be fair, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's... You see Kovacic just show up one game, you'll be like, oh, crap, forgot about that guy. Yeah, <laughs> Kovacic. All right, let's take a break there and we'll talk about uh, Mo Salah and the end of ownership when we come back. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? 
All right, so we're back and it's time to talk about Mo Salah. I feel like we've spent the majority of our podcast in Korea the last like 18, 19, 20 months talking about Mo Salah. And here we are again, Nick. Obviously, I know that people are all about free hit this week, but I think it's worth thinking about this because, I mean, he is looking like a guy who has been transferred out certainly by me, um, isn't in many free hit teams and you know, come game week 33, 34, probably gone from a lot of teams. And I guess it's worth thinking about, is it the end of, for him this season? Probably not forever because we know what Salah's like, but is there a case for for going with Mane now? And I think it's a really interesting one to just consider because he's such an expensive player and uh, the source of so much furore. Was it an assist? Why hasn't he gotten any bonus? Like He's such a vital part of the ecosystem of FPL that him leaving the team feels pretty momentous, doesn't it? He's still an absolute stat buster, isn't he? Last six, most pen box touches of any player. Massive 64, which is 70 more than uh, Zaha. It's just not coming off from at the moment, is it? Like, Mane has all the big chances. He's had seven to Salah's three. And he's just so, so like, unique as a player that the only person you can compare him to is himself. And uh, what I did was compared him over his last six compared to game week 16 to 21, which is when, much to my chagrin, he banged in six goals in six games and also three assists. So the difference between the two is quite, it's not that bad, actually. Like, he hasn't fallen off that much at all. XG from open play is, is in the same sort of ballpark, so around two, three. Um, he's had more pen box touches than he did back then. He's shooting more often now, so he's had a shot every 22 minutes versus 33.8 back in Christmas. He's also having the same amount of shots on target, but the outcome is one goal compared to six goals uh, back then, with two of those goals being penalties. So what do you think with Mo, Nick? What's, what's changed? Well, I think, you know, I've obviously grown significantly attached to Salah. I've actually owned him every game week since he, he donned a Liverpool shirt. So it is, it's a sad thing that he's, he's leaving my team and he's not going to be in my free hit team. And, you know, it, it does does feel a shame. But, yeah, obviously his stats have been pretty decent in the in the most recent game weeks as you highlighted but it just seems like it hasn't hasn't been coming off for him obviously people are fragile things so you should know by now tom and but salah has seemed like he's he's, he's immune to that fragility isn't he and i think he's been a little bit unlucky to be fair i think this is shown in particular by one stat that i pulled out um in the last six game weeks he, he's been top um of the midfielder metric with 24 shots as you mentioned manny in comparison to only had 14 shots but he's managed just incredible six goals off the back of them so manny's um, goal conversion rate has subsequently been 42.9 percent compared to salah's four percent which is yes <laughs> 4.2 which is which is such a, a big difference to be fair like He's, he's definitely getting into the right spaces and that's reassuring but I think it's potentially a confidence thing he just he just needs to regain his confidence once he starts scoring that you know they'll They'll come. They all come at once. But we even saw in the Champions. Not just being the Premier League. Obviously, we always talk Premier League stats. But in the Champions League as well, we saw it was Mane that got the brace, and Salah did nothing. So I think obviously Mane he really has picked up that mantle in in Salah's absence. And you know, I'm sure Salah will find his feet again and start scoring. But I think for us FPL managers, he's just too he's too expensive to carry, especially in this sort of fixture period. Um, I will have him back, luckily, for thirty-three, which is great. I don't, I don't know what your plans are with with him, Tom. Are you, are you keeping him? Are you, are you selling him? Are you because obviously they got the thirty game in thirty-three at Southampton, but then after that it's Chelsea, and then they've actually got a pretty decent run of Cardiff, okay, Huddersfield, yeah. Newcastle, and Wolves for their final four. And you, a lot of teams have a double game week in thirty-five. You kind of want him for that, so it's uh, it's a tricky one, really. I, th- I think I'll just be going with Mane. Um, so I mean, I've looked at 
Mane, I think you're right. Like what's changed is is Mane himself and what he brings to the table. Uh, I did the same comparison with Mane over that time period, and his open play xG has doubled. I know he's convert- scored six goals, so his conversion's a bit high at the moment, but it's still 1.84 xG back then to 3.28 recently. He's uh, the same number of pen box touches and attempts he's had more big chances than Salah but that conversion rate and I think it's the that ineffable thing of form which is playing a really huge role that like if you just watch him play at the moment he really is on fire is it sustainable at the level it has been probably not um but it's worth remembering here that FPL is a game and and the football data is one thing but the FPL data is where it gets really really compelling to go with Mane over Salah. Mo was essential because he was permacapped and the ownership was really high. Uh, now Mane's first and owned Mo 40% and Mane's just 19 points behind Salah. On a season level, their points per match is really similar. So 6.6 points per match for Mo, 6.4 for Mane. Raz is top actually, Raheem Sterling with, uh, I think it's above seven. It's insane how he's never gone above 20%. Points per million wise, it just does not make sense anymore to pay 30 million for Salah if you don't have the form there and if the ownership isn't scary uh, when Mane plus 3 million would do the uh, do an adequate job. And for me, you're someone with a slightly lower team value than than you and a few, fair few people. Like It makes absolute sense to not have Mo Salah in my team uh, going forward and sticking with Mane as being the man. Um, all logic, of course, will be broken very, very quickly uh, by Captain Hindsight um, and the forest fires will be lit uh, once uh, once Salah uh, converts a, a brace against Tottenham and then goes on a massive run, uh, bringing in, uh, well, two penalties or something against Southampton. But I think there is a case, if you look at FPL as a game, to think, well, Mo, is, you can't carry him, so why not get the the good alternative who is producing on the same sort of scale that we'd expect and reinvesting that money elsewhere. Yeah, I think definitely, obviously, Mane is looking much better value for money compared to Salos, who is very expensive. And and part of the reason why I've suffered in the last few game weeks is the fact that I've kept the faith to a certain extent with Salah, particularly in terms of giving him my captaincy quite regularly. And he really has, um, he's really let me down in those past few game weeks and my rank has suffered off the back of those Salah blanks. And I think, I mean, he's just definitely not going to be in my 32 team. He'll be around for 33. And then I've got a decision to make, probably will be, Sadly, getting rid of him when I do wild card in, in 34 because of the fact that Liverpool don't have a double game week as well. And I want to load up on as many um, double game week players in 35 as possible. Though then in 36, I might be tempted to try and fit him back in. I might even be tempted to, to give him the triple captaincy, which I'm still hanging on to. and not sure quite what I'm doing with it at the moment. So uh, he's not going to be the best pick for the next few game weeks, at least, is he? No, definitely not. And I, th- I think that it definitely represents, like, in terms of longitude as opposed to just being one game week like a, a nice little sword moment something you have three million pounds more than those who are doggedly sticking to to mo i mean I've, I've made this argument in the past and been completely shown up and have been caught my trousers down so i mean you, you know so much you can do but uh, like an end as a start and this i think maybe the start of the end for mo for me this year at least um that 36 Huddersfield game is gonna be quite scary I have Mane for my captain in that one if he can keep it up and in the 35 double game week, they are away to Cardiff. So it's not like a terrible game to have Liverpool players in. I think I'm going to have three Liverpool players still at that point, to be honest, uh, just because they're going to be one of those, you know, the final four games are Cardiff away, Huddersfield at home, Newcastle away and Wolves at home. So I, I think they're just, 
maybe holding two or three Liverpool players just, just feels like a good idea towards the end of the season. But I think the attacking one I will have will be Mane over Salah because I just don't think it's worth it. I mean, what would the case be to hold on to Salah? The underlying stats, like we mentioned, are brilliant. He's obviously starting to become a bit of a differential as well, so why not? And, you know, he, he is an attacking free. We've seen him get hat-tricks before this season. He's, you know, a superstar player, isn't he? He was top scorer last season, um, you know, winner of the Golden Boot. I think he won Player of the Year as well. He, and, and those fixtures at the end of the season, like, I think there's definitely a case that you could keep him. I think it's just if you're going to own, with these double game weeks, I think that's the problem. Like, if you're going to own a Liverpool player, you might as well own Mane if, you are, if you're desperate to keep one or one of the defenders and, and Salah's just too expensive, um, especially with, you know, the form likes of Sterling and Aguero in right now. I, t- I totally get it, though, and I can understand why people are holding on if they if they do want to. But just, just mentioned this on Twitter that we were going to talk about this today, and um, people are starting to waver a little bit on Salah. Like um, FPL there said, so I'm, I'm hoping he's going to you know explode again soon. Uh, Jeff Peller said that you know in game week 33 he's going to hit hit a hat trick inevitably, and then you'll be rethinking it straight away, which is obviously what I'm worried about. And a lot of people have said, well, because I want to fit in, I don't know, a Harry Kane sort of character in game week 34 for that Huddersfield game. And that double game week in 35, which is admittedly not very good, but there we go. Mm-hmm. Um, because people want to fit Kane in, then Salah's just has to leave because having a Salah and Kane team and having a balanced Salah and Kane team is very hard to do. I think that's probably um, yeah, a concern of mine as well. I, I guess in 34, when I'm wildcarding, I probably will want Kane in for that Huddersfield at home game, which is pretty damn tasty. And then the double game week. Um, and I probably, because Manchester City have Crystal Palace and then they've got a double game, horrible double game week and then they've got Burnley, Leicester Brighton. I probably still will want to, to double up on the likes of Sterling and Aguero as well. So you think, you look at that and you're like, you haven't even mentioned Hazard at this moment in time. So you think, where do, where do the Liverpool players fit in and where does Salah fit in? It's, it's hard to fit him in. Also, you haven't mentioned the Arsenal players because I think Arsenal are a team that probably do need to be covered quite considerably in 34 because they've got the best double game week in Crystal Palace and Wolves and they've got some really nice fixtures up until the end of the season as well. Oh yeah, definitely. No, Arsenal are great because they and Southampton have thirty have a game in 33 and a double in 35. So perfect for me wildcarding in 33 because I'm buying a lot of players for the long term. All right, uh, should we take a break there and move on to the features? Yep, sounds good. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's uh, it's time to catch up with the market forces and, and see what's going on. The, the transfers are mostly um, based around the double game weeks. Sterling and Aguero are the key men that are being brought in heavily. 190,000 transfers in for Sterling at this moment in time. 107,000 transfers in for Aguero. And I think obviously with that Fulham Cardiff double game week everyone's going to be loading up on those Manchester City players. And, and those are the two key men, as we talked about. Incidentally, actually, um, Tom, the port is the third most transferred in Manchester City player at this moment in time with over 48,000 transfers in. And he, he's actually only, he's down at number eight in the charts. But if you have to go, you have to go all the way down to number 19 before you get the next Manchester City gate, uh, player, which is Bernardo Silva. And he's only had 26,000 transfers in at this moment in time. Um, and uh, Leroy Sane is not even on the first page um, of transfers in and considering the fixtures just Sane is just a guy there's no one's looking at so obviously um, this time round considering last time round when he was such a key player so that's quite an interesting little stat as part of the market forces this game week in terms of uh, Manchester City in that brilliant double haul of Fulham and Cardiff but um, otherwise it's, it's Mo Salah that's being sold heavily um, we've already done a little 
piece on him, but over 230,000 transfers out for Salah, it seems like um, it's the end of him in, in a lot of managers' teams um, at this moment in time. Yeah, I was, pretty, I was surprised to see that uh, Bernardo Silva Bill, has been bought by a lot more people than David Silva, um, who we didn't quite mention earlier on, but uh, apart from right at the very beginning. But he's definitely one that would be in my mind, I suppose, like I think it's 4.7% the ownership now, uh, 59 uh, chances created for, for, for Silver over the course of the season, which is more than any other player at Man City. Um, but yeah, I mean, the market seems to be shunning him. Maybe he's just been forgotten because he hasn't done very much in uh, in recent times. But I mean, I'm, I'm still surprised to see he's only been brought by 15,000 people and the likes of uh, Josh King, Ryan Fraser and Doherty have been brought in more than him, which doesn't really make sense to me, but there we go. Um, but yeah, as you said, it's all about the doubles this week. Um, you've got players like Vardy leaving teams, players like Felipe Anderson leaving teams. Uh, Son is an interesting one, isn't he? Because he's been sold He's been sold by 60,000 managers, brought in, uh, on the other hand, by 22,000. So it seems like people aren't too sure whether to stick with him or uh, whether to look at his run of form like you have and think, well, I'm not bothering with that guy. Yeah, I think obviously, yeah, his, his form hasn't been great, and he didn't start the last game, which probably meant that a lot of people were rage transferring him out. And you know, they they maybe even bringing in the likes of Mane's had over hundred thousand transfers in uh, for a single game week player um, who's playing Spurs. It seems a bit of a, a risk, perhaps, and um, perhaps not the best week to be transferring him in. But obviously, Mane has been the form player, and and some people, some managers purely play by form. They don't look at the fixtures. Mane's had three double figure hauls in. In four game weeks, so on on that basis, it, it kind of makes sense as a transfer, even if he does have um, only a single game week. But yeah, it is a bit of a surprise um, to see so many setting Son ahead of ahead of a double game week. Uh, perhaps it's like wild carders or free hitters who are looking at their teams and just you know doing a complete switcheroo in terms of them their playing squads, which kind of makes sense. Yeah, perhaps, but you've still got lots. It's just a very strange week, isn't it? Because you've got the likes of Eden Hazard, who's been sold by 44,000 managers. Uh, Higuain's been sh- shunted by 31,000. So there are some signs that because of that Everton game, play, people have overreacted. Maybe we're now having a bit of a lag when the, the rage transfers are being subsumed by people making transfers ahead of the double game week. Yeah, I think Chelsea, that's that's really crazy, to be honest, because they don't even have a blank in 33. So they're the perfect team to be bringing in right now, especially those that aren't free hitting and wild carding. It's, it's time to load up on Chelsea because, you know, you can have the player in 33 and you've got a double in 32 as well. No, certainly. I, I don't understand that one. But hey, the market is fun every now and again, isn't it? All right. Let's move on to the Nick pick. So last week you dialed in remotely. Um <laughs> through my voice to say Mark Noble was your Nick pick. You were laughed at by, by Stag. I, I was completely behind you, of course. Um, <laughs> you were laughed at very heavily by Stag and the, the smile has very much been wiped off the face of Anthony O'Shea uh, because of that, uh, that that penalty goal, as you predicted, I think. <laughs> so you've had, uh, got two out of two, two showers in Vardy and Noble. Is it another yeah. Englishman? I got, I got a bit of a ricey reaction, didn't I, from Stag? Um, no, I haven't gone for another Englishman this time. I've gone for a, for a Spaniard, actually. Um, and, you know, sticking with sort of a Nick Pick style man, I've, I've gone for Cesar Aspilicueta. He is a pricey defender. And for that reason, he hasn't really been on the radar too much. Um, 6.4 million. But this, this guy... It's worth saying has been one of the most consistent defenders in FPL for the past few seasons. Um, he's about to enter a double game week playing the worst defence in terms of goal attempts, Brighton, and the fourth worst attempts 
um, for goal attempts in Cardiff and the second worst for goals in Cardiff as well. And this is for a team that has second for clean sheets this season. It's a double game week to dream of for a defender hoping for a clean sheet. He's been ever-present this season and he's been in the team of the year for two years in a row now. I could easily make it a third third year in a row in being in the top scoring defence. He's a little bit way behind um, Robertson and uh, Van Dyke, but he could easily catch up his teammates and Lonzo and Luis and, and make that team of the year again. And uh, Aspie is he's just a great pick. He's, he's managed five assists uh, four seasons in a row. He's just very much under the radar, always there, always playing, you know, never injured. Uh, for a double game week where there's a bit of a risk and rotation with the centre-backs as well, and Alonso seems shot, Aspie seems the man. All right. Gotcha. Uh, I look forward to the assist for a Higuain goal. Um, all right, uh, just to I'll, I'll check in quickly on the zombies this week. There's no point talking about our zombie teams, so they probably w- weren't very good. Uh, but it's worth noting that there's a there's a tie at the top of the zombie league. Uh, Thomas Storhoe and Laurie Vita, and uh, they're both at rank 147k, which is quite depressing for me. Is that depressing for you too? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, between, on the first page, from Thomas all the way down to uh, Stu's on Lord B by Stu Lord, who we know on Twitter, um, he's he's in the top eight hundred k. So um, yeah, it's a uh, it's it's quite a range now. We don't have uh, zombies doing crazily well. Uh, but they're still shambling away and I guess it kind of shows and gives hope to people like myself not doing particularly well that there are still quite a lot of dead teams out there to cut through and hopefully this upcoming asylum period is going to help everyone uh, the final thing to catch up with is the All England team so last week didn't do anything actually just uh, because a lot of English players were playing in the blank game week uh, they got 34, which wasn't the best. Uh, the captain, Callum Wilson, didn't come off. Um, should have captained his uh, his compatriot, Josh King, who I didn't bring into the team. They had 10 players, uh, only Pickford uh, with a uh, uh, with a clean sheet, and Madison uh, with a goal scored and all three bonus did anything for them. Uh, but next week, my unspecified fan member is going to do a free hit with them, Nick. Uh, quite an interesting setup. Foster and goal, Dunk, uh, Ashley Young, Carl Walker and uh, Tompkins across the back. Uh, Ali Townsend and Sterling with the armband and up front old man Murray uh, Harry Kane and uh, Rashford is there at the moment but to be honest Barkley may well come in now because he did so well and doubtly play 60 minutes be subbed off for for Kovacic and in the other game play 30 minutes whilst being subbed on for Kovacic Uh, but there you go Uh, they're just outside just outside the top million at the moment yeah, Barkley should definitely come into that team, I think, and uh, shove Hudson Adoy on the bench as well. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, let's take a break there and move on to the QA. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we Johan Sebastian Bark, and uh, it's time to catch up with the Who Got the Assist Mini League uh, and see what's going on there. It's been a while um, since the last update, but it's, it's still very tough at the top. Tom, it's very competitive league um, this year for sure. And uh, there's, a, there's a new man actually on top um, with 2,004 points, having broken 2,000 mark, which is pretty pretty damn fantastic. And that's uh, that's Mark Sinclair with uh, Schurler, Schurler this year. And uh, he's overall ranked 60th. He's top in the world for Scotland as well. So having, having a brilliant campaign. So, so well done, Mark. He's called 50. But um, yeah, behind him, there's a, there's a few people that are you know, pretty much in the game as well. Um, not to the top spot, Liam Berry, Bootstrap Fury. He's only one point behind Mark, so he's doing doing very well as well. But he only got 43 points and he took a minus eight, so perhaps that punished him a little bit this particular game week. Um, otherwise, we've still got uh, the Mendigos, Salvo Barra, um, been there since the start. Only only five points behind Mark with uh, 1,999 doing very well. We've also got James Wells, uh, Bombers, 
uh, wonders with 1991. So he's only 15 points behind the top. And then sort of making up the top eight, uh, making up the top five. We've also got uh, Sebastian Berenson with Nederlagatz. He's on 1,980 points at this moment in time. Cool. It must be uh, some fairly high ranks there as well uh, amongst the top five. Like, what's the, what's the 50th manager in the league at? So the uh, the 50th manager at the moment is on 1,921 points in total, uh, which gives him an overall rank of uh, 2,533. And it's another Scandinavian. Just they just know how to smash us, don't they? Yeah, uh, <laughs> he may he's a uh, 395th in the world for Norway, despite being 2,533rd in the world. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, I think there's a cra- crazy amount of the top 10 managers from Scandinavia. Is it patience? Is it rationality? I just don't know. Everything I everything I know is based on the bridge. And... Right, uh, let's move on then. Uh, well done, everybody. Uh, this week, we're going to be on the Breakfast Club with Joe and David from Fantasy Football Scout on Saturday morning, which can be interesting for us because we're out on Friday night for a 30th. So it may be a bit of a, a, bit of a hungover um, Breakfast Club. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm sure I'll be able to piss off trolls in the YouTube comment section by mispronouncing names. It's not Raz. What are you talking about? Who's this guy? Who are these people? Um, so if you want to see more of that, um, <laughs> we, we will be showing our ugly mugs on the on the Breakfast Club. And uh, thanks, as always, to David and uh, Joe for inviting us. So should be good fun, shouldn't it? It was quite fun last time. Yeah, definitely. I really enjoyed it last time. Looking forward to it. Um, hopefully won't be too hungover. I think I was ill last time. I still managed to hide it. And yeah, like you said, you annoyed all the people in the comments who, who wished it was just um, David and Joe. But um, hopefully our listeners will like to see us at least. <laughs> yeah, someone out there, my mother at least, would like to see me. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Uh, let's move on to the questions then. Uh, just a few this week. And a lot of them are based around the free hit and double game week course uh we can't touch on this already but tom campbell hey tom asks us about the benchables if free hitting managers should even bother with the bench or should budget friendly options just be down there i'm going as cheap as chips on the bench in order to afford as strong of starting 11 as possible so i'm talking about colin quainer i'm talking about let's let's call him billy uh billy Connolly, defender and i'm also talking about callum hudson adoy but who could actually get some minutes as well um as a 4.2 um million so Connolly's actually 3.8 and that's why i wanted him he plays for cardiff um so yeah i'm going very very cheap and adoy might actually even get some minutes so he, he potentially is the third man though i might mix it up a little bit might go barkley um for butino but yeah to answer the question definitely um going cheap and hopefully it doesn't punish me but i'm know. sure i'm sure it won't it's, it's a double game week and like, like any player that you bring in you're thinking well they're going to at least play in one of those games for a little bit right like if you're free hitting in a single game week yeah definitely have a bench absolutely mm-hmm. but in double game week the, the risk is so much lower that you're going to need to have a uh, your bench father coming on uh, unless there's like a freak injury in, tra- in in warming up for the game or something exactly and, and the players that i do have my free hit team you know they're, they're nailed on players they're not players that are going to be who are hopefully not inexplicably dropped or injured in the warm-up before the first game you know these things can happen and you can enter these sort of scenarios and, and it'll be a bit of a horrible scenario to suddenly find yourselves 10 men in the in the double game we can no one coming off the bench but you know you can go very very cheap and i think it is worth maybe maybe one man on the bench your know, romeo's for southampton does he still even play i don't know but he yeah. used to be my bench fodder good old dale stevens 90 minute dale uh who tom mentioned who probably would if you can fit him in but i mean you've got like you said well not but one a doy he's at least going to get what two minutes because that's what sari thinks he's worth like <laughs> uh, 
like, I guess that's it. I mean, it's, it's it's just one of those things, isn't it? Where there's no point in spending money on the bench. Just maximise what you got on the pitch in the situation. Double game with free hit. We've never really done one before, I don't think. So it'd be really cool to see how it turns out. Um, next question uh, is on uh, enablers. So we spoke about them a little bit. Uh, Crystal Palace and Watford um, enablers. Craft uh, FPL asked us about those guys. Um, who are we looking at, or at least who are we going to be vaguely interested in? I spoke about Zaha. I spoke about Schlupp a little bit. So maybe we'll look at Watford a little bit. Uh, obviously not mentioned by you uh, at all. Um, but you've got you know, Big Troy. You've got Dale Feu, who may, may well play the two games. Uh, ben Foster and goal, perhaps. Uh, anyone at Watford that perhaps catches your eye as an enabler? So I think, yeah, you've got the triple Ds, haven't you? Dini, Deu and um, Decore. And I think Deu's the one that is probably worth talking about. I think he's he is pretty decent. Um, got a hat-trick the other day, didn't he? Um, at 5.6 million, you know, he's, he's very cheap. And he, he does fit the bill for that sort of near enabler slots. If you've got enough money to spend on your fourth or fifth midfielder, I think Deu Lefeos would be a really good pick. He's got 103 points actually to his name. And he, he's actually better points per value this season than Sterling and Salah, believe it or not. It's, it's pretty crazy, really, isn't it? And um, with home match against a sort of near relegated and despondent Fulham, we could definitely see um, another match where what the Watford players haul, you know, like they did when they flashed Cardiff 5-1. Yeah, I, I think it's the FA Cup which kicks like a sleep twitch there. you, you got to wonder on the weekend how Grash is going to set up for that. Uh, we saw against Man City, for example, that he was more than happy to use his squad to just block effectively and rest Delefeu and Dini. Uh, will he do the same in the Man United game? I guess because the Man United game is actually the, is the first one, you may be thinking well, maybe he's going to go for it. Um, but it kind of feels like to me that what he does is in those big games, um, deploy the uh, deploy the subs, get the second team out. And against Fulham, I guess he played the first team, maybe to warm up for the cup. Um, and yeah. with Watford, the depth of squads is what worries me. Like I said this one with Stag last week, but they've just got so many players that you, you've never even heard of. Like I keep seeing every week like a Watford player I've never heard of in their defence or something. Yeah. Where's this guy come from? Never heard you've of him. Got, you've got Quinoa, haven't you? You've got Seymour. You've got all these... Quinoa? <laughs> Quinoa and Seymour and all I, these other I, sort of like... <laughs> Eastern European recipes or whatever. Yeah, there's a Chalibur hanging around. Ch- Chalibur's out there still, yeah. And I think maybe you are kind of looking at Crystal Palace perhaps as the as the key as the key guys, because they're more likely to just just fill the gap that you need them to. Like Wan Basaki, if you bought him a four point zero and he's fit, it seems like a bit of a no brainer really. I thought Guaitar and Golbo wouldn't advise anyone going near yeah. there because of, because of Hennessy. I, I can't do anything about that now. I just have to hope for the best. But um, yeah, no, I think it's, it's you'd probably favouring Crystal Palace over Watford um, and maybe favouring Crystal Palace over Bryson a little bit too. Next question, can you fit him in? FPL DJ and Saman asks, how important uh, Kane should be for free hitters? So maybe not whether you're getting him or not, because we know that's yes, um, but more about the importance that you see that I wouldn't say he was important, to be honest. Like, I would definitely say Aguero was important. I'd say Sterling was important. I'd say Hazard was important. Those are the three really important players this game week. Chelsea, with those fixtures, Cardiff and Brighton, you've got to have Hazard. And then you've got to have both those Manchester City players as well. So if you want Kane as well, you do have to kind of make some tough decisions on the rest of your team and you, your team does lose that balance. As I mentioned, you know, I'm having to make certain sacrifices got a couple of cheap defenders in there and I've got the sort of very cheap midfielder that's not um, really an attacking threat. So I think that is the problem with Kane. And and has he and, you know, has he proved himself enough to, to be worth the outlay? I wouldn't necessarily say he has. 
I'm going for it, that being said, because it is a free hit and it's exciting. So I thought, why not bring him in and, and see what happens? But um, I don't think, he, I wouldn't say he's essential or important. I think he's he's a bit of a differential. And then you can cover Spurs in other ways as well. You could look at Ali, you could look at Ericsson or, or Son. So. Yeah, it's just 15% own Kane, so definitely is a, a sword pick, isn't he? And I guess you've got the first game in the uh, in, in White Hart Lane 2.0, which will be against Crystal Palace that a lot of people are thinking, oh, I want to have a finger in that exciting pie. Because, you know, first game, uh, that could be exciting. Um, but equally, I guess it is a single game we pick almost, because that Liverpool defence is very good, and that Liverpool game is very off-putting, isn't it? It's, it's a gamble at the end of the day, but you know it's a gamble that could really pay off. It's an exciting double game week for Spurs and to own, to own Harry Kane for that. Why not if you can fit him in? Yeah, so cover and risks. I said last week. Um, I didn't want to. We didn't want to rehash all of the free hit stuff last week. You can get a little bit of advice on that anywhere else. So didn't want to talk about it too much. But yeah, exactly. It's, it's cover and risk, and it's a, a team you can get that non free hitters can't get. Players you can get that non free hitters can't get. Why not? I, I think he's probably a, a good pick. It's just how many sacrifices you're going to make and uh yeah i guess that comes down to manager judgment uh next question nick yeah so the next question's um about doubles all round rob pick says um if 11 out of 11 double game weekers is the way to go or if any single game weekers have caught our eye um so i think you know there are a few options out there definitely in terms of the single game weekers i think if, if you're free hitting I'm still of the opinion that you might as well load up on the doubles as much as possible. In terms of the other fixtures, there's there's a, there's a few ones that are right. You know, like Arsenal have Newcastle, which is, is quite at home. So, you know, you could be, be taking a gamble on an Arsenal player, but yeah, out of Arsenal players, probably Aubameyang would be the best one to pick. And he would eat, also eat a chunk of your budget. So if you're going for Aubameyang, you'd have to sacrifice uh, potentially one of the attacking um, four players that I've talked about quite considerably. Um, Liverpool, I mean, go near them with that fixture against Spurs. And then, you know, elsewhere, there's there's not too much out there, to be honest. I think it, I think it'd be out of the single game week, because I think the Arsenal would be the best best fixture of all. But, you know, Bamiyang's probably the, the pick out of the Arsenal players, and he's very expensive. So I wouldn't recommend going for a single game week or if you are free hitting in this particular game week. But um, I'm sure you, you might have a few um, single game weekers that you've got an eye on, considering you're not free hitting. No, no, not at all. Like, you wouldn't be buying a single game weaker at this point. And no. if, if there was an Arsenal player, like West Ham, Everton, that's going to be a dead zone for, for the majority of FPL, isn't it? Um, but like, if, if there was an Arsenal player really smashing it, then maybe be looking at it. You know, Lacazette is fifth for shots in the box. Like, there's nothing really there uh, to really make you think, oh, I've got to do it. Like in game week 35, there double game week then, there are some good fixtures in, in the singles. Uh, so Liverpool, Cardiff, as I mentioned, then Bournemouth for Fulham at home. So that might be a time to really think about the single game week as part of the uh, part of the whole picture. But I, I can't see it this game week. Um, and I agree with you that if I was in free hit, I'd be completely and utterly on the doublers because like, why not? In this in this game week, the doubles are just so good compared to the singles that you can't not do it. Captain Hindsight may turn around and uh, give Wilson the hat-trick that he should have got last week or something like that. But I mean, I've only got Van Dyke, I think, as the only single game week player there. That's because I don't want to take at this point a minus eight to remove him. Like the people I will be messing around with are the people who are a little bit injured. But if I get rid of him, I'm going to be getting a double game week player in. 
I guess the, the final one and we've spoken about a little bit as well, shockingly, um, is Chelsea anything in them? So Samit and the FPL Green Arrow uh, Chaser ask about Chelsea configuration. Do we go for two defenders or two attackers? Um, and it looks like you're doing neither and uh, going for <laughs> one def- one defender, one midfielder and rubbish or one defender, one midfielder and uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi. Um, this is rubbish uh, sitting in for Barkley then. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh God, Barkley. What? what uh, that'll be that'll be interesting if that if that if that comes off. Which one do you prefer? I guess. So I think. Well, yeah. I mean, if if I was saying, I'd probably be going for the the double uh, defense. To be honest, with um, you know, if I've sung Aspie's uh, praises in the Nick pick. I've also talked about Luis and Rudiger, I think, and, and you know, Kepa's another option as well. And I might still go for the double defense. Actually, you know, Kepa's. And Lindelof perhaps will fit into my team. I have to have to think about the formation and how it all works out. But I think for me, uh, I don't really like the attackers apart from Hazard. None of them appeal to me. I know you, you, you've got Higgy Rain, haven't you? You're, you're I do. A fan of his. You're a fan of his, but um, I haven't really been told by him quite yet. Um, anyway, but yeah, I mean, Pedro is obviously an option as well with uh, eight goals this season, but he's he's not really been playing too many minutes. He, he gets rotated a lot with William, as I said. So I think it's, um, it's Hazard and um, two defenders, I think would be what I'd recommend to people. It is a bit of a sword pick, isn't it, to go with Higuain? Like, I, you know, I'm not a fan of Higuain, actually. <laughs> I regret buying him over Vardy. I really do. The stats are good. They are they are right. It's just if you watch him play, yeah, there's lacking the confidence at the moment. Um, in fact, so, like Higuain is my prime candidate to be shipped out this week to get Kun in because Kun is the priority and Hazard's priority number two. But if I can't go with Hazard, then I I can live with that. Living without Kun is a is a is a no no. Um, but in terms of the setup, I think that it's very kind of shield to go with two defenders, isn't it? Like a lot of people are going that way. If there is a Chelsea clean sheet, which is fairly likely in those games, judging by the numbers, um, that's kind of 12 points suddenly that people have got, which is quite hard to defend against as, non- as non-free hitter because a lot of us probably wouldn't have a Chelsea player, maybe Louise uh, at the back. And uh, yeah, the, t- the two attackers, as you say, there's not enough there, is there? There's Higaway and Hope. Uh, Pedro and Willian used interchangeably. Um, it's really all about Hazard or nothing. Um, I saw Giroud's actually one of the top three goal scorers in French history, I think I saw tonight, which is quite interesting. Um, but yeah, I can't... Uh, it, if anything, you might see Higuain rotated as well. You, at least you know if Hazard is going to play both those games. You're never going to catch them, are you, Nick? And I'm, uh, it has crossed my mind that he's going to start both games and no one's going to captain him, so he could be a good pit for me. Remember, I was originally, gonna look, I was originally looking at Pogba. And he does have the XGI, but they're just so... Going forward, it just, just seems like it's it's not really going to work out for them. And you know, his head's presumably elsewhere now that Dan's taking over Real Madrid. Yeah, it's, I think... Um... That's, that's interesting, Tom. I know you, I've talked a lot about my team, haven't I, with my three hits. But very interesting to hear what your actual um, your transfers are. Then, uh, what your what your plans are with um, your team. So you said you mentioned how you're going to get Aguero in. Are you taking a minus eight, or are you just sticking to a minus four? No. So uh, the, the plan is to stick to a minus four because you guys are all on free hit, so it dilutes the point of me playing my triple captainship this week if I've taken a big hit. That said and done, um like Rashford being injured is really annoying because 
Higuain to Cunaguero, financed by Salah to Hazard, was such a neat way of doing everything in the minus four that I wanted to do. It does leave me with one double game, single game weaker in in Van Dyke, but I'm happy. I, I'm fine with that. Um, with Rashford injured, um, removing him for Kun means that Salah can only go down to eight point nine. So I'm looking at maybe a deal over there, or I remove Van Dyke and put in Schlupp or something and take a minus eight. I'm not sure yet. I'm gonna have to find out what happens in the press conferences. Ideally, I'd obviously like Rashford to be fit, but the noises don't seem to be particularly encouraging. Um, so it's, it's quite a tough one in terms of, uh, I'd much prefer not to take a, a minus eight really here because of everyone being on free here. Personally, a big disadvantage already and dilutes my uh, measurable captainship. But as an individual transfer, removing a non-playing Rashford for a doubling Cuneguero, removing Salah, who plays one tough game for a doubling Hazard, removing Van Dyke for a doubling schlup or something. I mean, that is probably justifiable. So it's, it's quite a quite a, a hard decision and it's going to be very much dictated by press conferences and the smoke and mirrors of who's shown up in training and who hasn't. Um, but yeah, I, I really want Rashford to be fixed. So this is why I held him for so long. It's, it's going to be really annoying if he's not. It looks like no one's going to be fit for United. So brings Pogba into question. But yeah, so I'm looking at having a 10 double game week as plus, uh, plus Van Dijk at this moment. But that could move into 11 if I do decide to take that minus eight. And I'm triple captaining. And I'm probably going to be triple captaining Cuneguero. Um, but I'm fairly, I'm, I'm drawn to Sterling, obviously, for, for clear reasons. But because of the minutes that Sterling has played in this last international break, because of the lockdown, the fixtures coming up, and because of Kun being playing whenever he's available, I think Kun Aguero is the man. Um, what about you? Uh, where's your captain going to go? Have you decided over the course of this discussion? You're still uh, still sitting on that. Still sitting on it. I think at the beginning of the week, I was leaning towards Aguero. Um, middle of the week, I started leaning towards Sterling. So at the moment, I'm thinking perhaps Sterling, but I think by the end of the week, I might be back on Aguero. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it's between those two for sure. Um, I'm not interested in Hazard, so uh, yeah, it'll be a toss-up, I think. Yeah, when it comes to Aguero, captain sees if fortune favours the brave, I'm as poor as they come because I just not captain couldn't at loads of points this season. I've been very badly punished. So maybe I'll just be feared into it and think, well, you know what, one, du- one double game week, my triple captainship. If he scores a hat trick, then perfect. Job done. I'm happy with that. I haven't actually had a good for triple captain. I think we had two. I got two assists from Piat one year. Got a goal from Aguero in the, the double early double game week, and when Stoke famously shot them out at home, which was really annoying. Jesus last year did nothing, so hopefully this year will be a little bit different. And I, maybe just the satisfaction of get, having that, getting that chip off, would be very good. It'd be interesting to see what you do actually, whether you, what you do in 36 or something like that. Yeah, I haven't really decided. I think uh, the original plan was uh, the Salah captaincy in 36 and uh, the other plan, the Duffy triple captaincy is not going to work because I'm actually playing a wildcard that week. So, yeah, I don't know at the moment. Cool. All right. Well, that's a lot this week. Uh, just say who we are again. We are Who Got This Is. You can find us um, on Twitter at WC underscore FPL. And our league code is 516-441. And we'll be on The Breakfast Club this week. And we're looking forward to it. Yeah, look forward to it. Thanks for listening, guys. And we'll be back next week for blank game week 33. In the meantime, hope to assist you and speak to you then. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.